Truth News Network. A sitting president admits his actions are unconstitutional, but says while it's being litigated, we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. This is the man sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution. It's time for some pushback. And that starts with the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, spells it out. And with today's Chalk Talk, Dan Newman. OMG, are we loaded for bear today? I can't believe that so many really important things are happening right now and are imminent in the next couple of days. Well, like I said, we have a whole lot to get into today. And we're going to do just that. First, let me say to you, Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. This is a joyous time of the year. And for those of you listening from out west and up north in the Midwest and coming down to North Louisiana, 15 degrees tomorrow morning. We don't get those kind of uh, temperatures in North Louisiana very often. And no, we're not prepared for 15 degrees. So what do we do? We just throw on another jacket, throw another log on the fire. And since it's Christmas week, what else do we do? We listen to some good Christmas songs. Why don't we do that together right now? Here's a good one.
know what? Pentatonics, that group. Um, yeah, it's a non-traditional version, kinda, of the Little Drummer Boy. But if you listen to them, obviously great musicians get what? Several of those. In fact, most of the group are Christians. And they arrange those songs themselves. And their harmony is just incredible. They were on The Voice. I'm not sure how far they went. They went a long way. I don't think they won. I can't remember. And the reason I knew about them was because of my nephew, Des Duran, who was on The Voice and was a finalist on The Voice. All that being said, I thought it was important that we start the show today with something really, really positive because what we're about to do is dive into the pit of evil. (laughs) Now, what could that possibly be other than the United States Congress? You probably have heard. I warned you last week what I felt this Congress was going to try to do was at the last minute put together this monstrous spending bill that we call an omnibus bill and pack it with a bunch of unnecessary funding for unnecessary items that several of the outgoing members of the Senate specifically that had been there a long time wanted for their respective states. And guess what? That's exactly what they did. Late yesterday, the Senate voted on a motion to proceed on the House message on H.R. 2617. That's the legislative vehicle for the Consolidated Appropriations Act. That's what they call it. In the Senate now, the motion passed 70 to 25. Got a bunch of support for the bill. And with many Senate Republicans against it. But some Republicans voted for it. The Senate Republicans had voted in favor of the motion to proceed or, and I'll just give you their last names, Blunt, Roy Blunt, Missouri. He's retiring, by the way. Boozman, Capito, Collins, Susan Collins, longtime middle-of-the-road kind of left-leaning senator from Maine. John Cornyn, of all people. That's a, a very conservative senator from Texas. Tom Cotton, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, Hyde Smith, Mitch McConnell, of course, Moran, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, also leaving. And then there's Mitt, Mitt Romney, Rounds, Marco Rubio, and Shelby, longtime senator from Alabama who's leaving, Shelby, Thune, Tuberville, Wicker, and Young. Those senators voted for this $1.7 trillion, 4,155-page omnibus spending bill to go to the House to pass, to pass. Listen to some of the stuff that's in it. $45 billion in military and economic aid for Ukraine's conflict with Russia. That's billions more than the $37 billion that Biden requested. $5 billion in earmarks for 3,200 pet projects. $5 billion, $47 billion. For the National Institutes of Health, $1 billion for Puerto Rico's electrical grid, $600 million to address water issues in Jackson, Mississippi. The Senate version of the Electoral Count Reform Act, which means Democrats want to alter the structure 
of the Electoral College. It's in the bill. It would change the process for lawmakers to object to the certification of the presidential election results. Senator Josh Hawley's of Missouri's push to have a ban on TikTok on government devices is included in the bill. The bill contains $575 million for reproductive health, where population growth threatens biodiversity. And listen to this. The bill also refers to salmon, the fish, or salmonid, S-A-L-M-O-N-I-D, 48 times. Billions of earmarks. Let me give you a couple of examples. Richard Shelby, I told you, retiring from Alabama, he's got $656 million worth of earmarks in the bill. Senator Jim Inhofe, Republican from Oklahoma, has $511 million in earmarks for his state. Mike Lee, Utah, Rand Paul, Kentucky, Mike Brown, Indiana, and Rick Scott of Florida. They went nuts on the floor against the bill. Mike Lee accused leadership of exploiting members into backing the omnibus by using the specter of a government shutdown. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said that providing aid to Ukraine was the number one priority for Republicans. Yeah, really, Ukraine, while America is experiencing an inflation and border crisis. The Senate will move forward on the bill. McConnell said he hopes to wrap it up. By late yesterday, he got what he wanted. Congress hopes to pass the bill by Friday to avoid a government shutdown. Now, I'm going to wait to editorialize my sense of this bill. We have a bunch of information I want to give you about the bill, what's in the bill, and who's saying what. If it passes... In the next few days, the Department of Justice's budget, quote, to further support prosecutions related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol and domestic terrorism cases. This bill will give them an increase of $212.1 million from the current levels of the $2.63 billion annual budget for the Department of Justice. The DOJ had asked previously for only $34 million in its 2023 budget to fund 130 employees to investigate the 80 January 6 prisoners. Think about that. Added 130 employees to do nothing but investigate the January 6 prisoners. Instead, the budget was expanded to $212.1 million in this bill. The cases are unprecedented in scale, and it is expected to be among the most complex investigations prosecuted by the DOJ. That's what they had previously told Congress, claiming the funding was necessary for the continued prosecutions of the growing number of cases related to this breach of the Capitol that has left the department with an immense task of finding and charging those responsible for the attacks. Almost without exception, the people that have been prosecuted ended up cutting deals and not being tried. And guess what? 95% of those that have been charged and their cases resolved, what were they finally charged with? 
misdemeanors, not criminal activity. Hadn't heard a lot about that, have we? Mayor Garland, the AG, told NBC News' Lester Holt in July the department did not necessarily need more money to prosecute the prisoners, but would take the additional means if provided. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this government throws money like it's just leaves that they're raking in the fall. Our money. Garland said, of course we'd like more resources, and if Congress wants to give them to us, that would be very nice. But we have people, prosecutors and agents, from all over the country working on this matter already. So the additional money to prosecute those January 6 prisoners comes just before Republicans are set to retake the House. In three weeks, many establishment Republicans and Democrats have tried to get the bill done before the 118th Congress gavels into session because they're scared of not being able to get the initiatives that they have in this version. They know they wouldn't pass in the new Republican-controlled House. Now, the DOJ is not the only agency getting a bunch of money in connection with the riots of January 6th. House Appropriations Committee summary revealed the FBI, the agency that worked with Twitter to censor conservatives on the platform, they're going to get an increase. Listen to this. $569.6 million above the fiscal year 2022 enacted level and $524 million above the president's budget request. Half a billion dollars plus. Hey, you want some money? Let us give you... $560 billion more than you were already going to get. If this bill is passed, the FBI's total budget is going to be $11.33 billion. The FBI. The FBI. <laughs> They've arrested nearly 900 people in relation to the January 6th riot. 900, that's according to NBC. The FBI has not arrested all those it wishes in connection with the incident, according to whistleblowers. You know what they're not putting in here? Give us a list of the those that have been charged so far, what they were charged with, and what cases have been resolved, and how many of those are just misdemeanors, and how many have been dismissed. They don't want us to know about that. They want to keep all of us thinking, oh my God, we've got to get these guilty people, those that were trying to overthrow the nation. Listen to what else it's going to do. It's going to transfer $2.4 billion in our taxpayer money to resettle more Ukrainians here in the United States. $2.4 billion. Biden has brought more than 100,000 Ukrainians to the U.S., since Putin invaded earlier this year. A year in federal government spending bill is ensuring the refugee pipeline continues. You haven't heard about that 100,000 that have been brought here on your tax dollars. Specifically, the omnibus spending bill throws $2.4 billion to refugee contractors who resettle more Ukrainians in American communities and hundreds of millions of dollars to provide, quote, humanitarian assistance to those new arrivals. Does it sound to you 
like this administration is on a let's go get a bunch of immigrants from around the world, charge the U.S. taxpayers for going and getting them, many of them, the ones especially coming from down south, they're coming illegally. Hey, it doesn't matter. We need to get all these future voters in place so we can keep the Democrat Party in power permanently. This 4,100-page spending bill includes another $45 billion to fund the Russia-Ukraine war. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell went as far as to say that Senate Republicans' number one priority are Ukrainians fighting Russian. I'm going to quote him. Providing assistance for Ukrainians to defeat the Russians is the number one priority for the United States right now. And he said, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting the country at the moment. I don't know a single, not one, I don't know Mitch McConnell, or I would say he's the only one I know. I don't know a single Republican that would say Ukraine is number one for America. What are they smoking? The funding and the statement from McConnell comes as we, you and me, continue to suffer through our record inflation cost, and we're feeling it more than ever in the holiday season. Sky-high gas prices, a surge of illegals coming into our streets and our cities. They're sleeping on the ground in airport terminals, under overpasses, Healthcare insurance costs. Prices are up. We're getting fewer services. A deadly fentanyl crisis. It's killing 100,000 citizens each year. The share of you and me living paycheck to paycheck, for instance, it's up 63%. Back up to the near high that was reached in March. Likewise, our household debt increasing at the fastest pace in 15 years as more and more of us are forced to live on credit cards. The middle class in the U.S., defined as the 60% of our households in the middle of all income brackets, has seen that their share of national wealth depleted to just 26.6%. The top 1% now hold more national wealth than the entire middle class. So what else is in the bill? Retiring Republican Senator Richard Shelby, he helped Democrats win at least $3 billion to fund Joe's catch-and-release network that delivers economic migrants into Americans' workplaces and housing. That's hidden deep, deep, deep in the 4,155-page appropriations bill. It'll keep agencies funded until October of next year. Shelby is the top Republican senator on the Senate Appropriations Committee, and packed at least $600 million in earmark spending for Alabama, his home state, in his final appropriations bill. $600 million here, Bama. I hate the University of Alabama anyway. Spending bill is expected to pass Congress before Christmas. 
Why? Democrats have likely won backroom support from at least 10 GOP senators, even more than that, 25. A huge chunk of the money that's going to the DHS, that's Homeland Security, is being used to fund migrant processing and release into the nation. Definitely not being used for deportation. Oh, that's a constitutional federal law thing. You know, we can't do that. Those laws, we don't we don't enforce the law. We do what whoever's in political power and control wants to do. Forget about that law thing. The bill gives $16.7 billion for Customs and Border Protection, $1.8 billion above the fiscal year 2022 enacted level, $1.3 billion above Biden's budget request, $1.9 billion in continued support, for Border Patrol and ICE, $1.56 billion, million, excuse me, to Customs Border Patrol for processing facilities, migrant medical care, transportation, personnel overtime, and other costs. $339 million for ICE for processing capacity, migrant medical care, transportation, and other non-detention costs. $2 billion in emergency funds, some of which is used to aid these migrants, according to the Republican summary of the bill. FEMA funding, Federal Emergency Management Agency, $130 million for the Emergency Food and Shelter Program, $800 million for a new shelter and services program for migrants encountered by DHS. Congress gave almost $18 billion for the Disaster Relief Fund last year. The bill also cuts funding for immigration enforcement. Enforcement, immigration enforcement. Oh, we can't we can't hold these people no accountable. Yeah, they're breaking the law, but it's not serious stuff. Added 45 billion to help defend Ukraine's borders from Russia. <laughs> That's 45 billion more. We've already spent 100 billion dollars on Ukraine. In November, Biden's deputies told the Supreme Court they can't detain all migrants because they lack the money. The claim was made in the United States versus Texas, where Texas officials said Biden's deputies are violating the law by not trying to detain migrants. This month, December, Biden's deputies asked for an extra $3.5 billion just to help register, shelter, and transport the extra migrants expected once the Title 42 border barrier is lifted. Supposed to happen at 5 o'clock today, will it? It's still up in the air. The funding is also intended to minimize crowds of migrants that might be broadcast by evening TV networks. We can't let the people, the American people, see what we're doing and what we're not doing. They'll get all upset. we got to hide it. There is a nugget here and there that's good news. For example, Republican Party denied funding for a $375 million push to accelerate the award of asylum status and green cards to newly arriving economic migrants at the border. In other words, the way it's happening now, if you want to become legal, just show up. The Democrats are doing everything they can to get you that green card and get you permanent legal status. And then when you get here, oh my gosh, you'll be bowing 
at the people that got you the right to come to the U.S. illegally, and then they made me legal when I got there. GOP also blocked Democrats' effort to reduce funding for the detention of migrants, saying the bill rejects the Biden administration's attempt to slash ICE detention capacity by 30% and instead provides $380 million above the request to maintain 34,000 detention beds. I don't know why they even bothered from the 34,000 beds because DHS isn't going to fill them just like they're not filling them now. They're putting them on buses and airplanes and just sending them out all over the nation. Let me ask you this. What would Joe Biden do if, let's just say tomorrow, we've already heard they bust a bunch of them to Denver, Colorado. They don't have any place to go. They're sleeping in the airports. What if the mayor of Denver, the mayor of New York, the mayor of Chicago, the mayor of Philadelphia, if they just met these buses when they rolled into town and escorted them out of the state, what if they just said no? Some Republican legislators tried to minimize funding for Biden's migration. Shelley Moore Capito, Republican from West Virginia, the Homeland Security Appropriations ranking member. She said, Republicans are concerned about providing emergency funding for border management with no additional deterrence measures to stem the flow of migrants. My feeling is there has to be a much better effort through appropriations for deterrence, she said. Let's make some moves there and then see where we go. Capitol State, West Virginia, and many other GOP-led heartland states loses investment because coastal employers prefer to hire new migrants than to invent in distant inland states. Shelby is a former Democrat from Alabama who's being replaced by recently elected Katie Britt. Next year, Congress should actually find out what the Biden administration immigration policies are costing said Jenks. If the federal government is paying nonprofits, NGOs, to traffic more people into the country, which they are, then we should be cutting off that money, she said, adding, the only way that they can gain some control is to first know how much money is going where and then start to block that money. It should be the House GOP appropriators working with the authorizing committee to figure that out. In other words, she's talking about when we take our positions in January, we should have a detailed analysis of all of the places this money in this bill is headed to uh, to fund and just beginning to block them one thing at a time. Do you think that's going to happen? It's never happened before. Why would we Americans believe anything that these members of Congress tell us? Biden's deputies admitted roughly 1.3 southern border migrants in 2022. You know, if you say that fast, it's not a big number, 1.3 million. You know, 1.3 of anything's not much, right? Alongside 600,000 gateways who sneaked across the border, plus another 1.5 million legal immigrants and temporary workers that came into the U.S. the right way, you know, the legal way. 
carefully planned inflow of about 3.4 million legal, illegal, and quasi-legal migrants adds up to roughly one immigrant for every American birth during the year 2022. The migrants are flooding into the U.S. from poor countries, from countries where dictators have the incentive to exile potentially rebellious young men out of their country to our country where they can go get jobs. Immigration numbers show a quarter of a million Cubans have arrived in the U.S. in this year, often through chain migration. Christian Gonzalez flew from Havana to Managua in October after a close relative sold his car in Miami and bought him a round-trip airline ticket for $3,600. After he landed in Nicaragua, Mr. Gonzalez received another $4,000 from his relative to pay for a smuggler who helped him and two dozen other Cubans make their way up through Central America and Mexico in a grueling, months-long road journey to our southern border. It's a mass escape, says the 22-year-old Gonzalez. Every day I get news through Facebook or Instagram of another friend who's leaving Cuba. The opening of this new route through Nicaragua gives Cuba a release valve for its discontented population. Their government there, all these Cubans want to get out of Cuba. And guess what? The government of Cuba is the one that Democrats want to install in the United States, where a select group of elites control from the top everything in the country. It's the largest number of Cubans to come to the U.S. in a single wave since the late Fidel Castro came to power in 1959. Twice the 125,000 who came into the Mario boat lift of 1980, and almost six times as many in the comparable 2021 period. Many migrants sell their homes to make the trip, likely enriching the wealthy Cubans, including shadow buyers in the United States who want to buy Cuban property when the prices are very cheap. Our federal government has long operated an economic policy of extraction migration which pulls human resources from poor countries and uses the important people to grow investors, revenues, and profits. The inflow has forced down Americans' wage and boosted rents and housing prices. The inflow has also pushed many native-born Americans out of careers in a wide variety of business sectors and has reduced their clout in local and national elections. You want to hear some more? (laughs) This spending bill creates, listen to this, a Ukrainian independence park in the heart of Washington, D.C. $45 billion in military and economic aid to Ukraine. While Congress has already appropriated $66 billion in aid for Ukraine, the omnibus bill would send tens of billions in aid for the country's protracted war It would also create a new park in the heart of D.C. Let's help the Ukrainians. Let's fund a multi-million dollar park for them in Washington, D.C. Designates a part of D.C. as the Ukrainian Independence Park and allows for sides around the park that include information on the importance 
of the independence, freedom, and sovereignty of Ukraine and the solidarity between the people of Ukraine and the United States. For that, you'll pay 20 cents a gallon more at the pump for the Ukrainian park in D.C. Representative Victoria Sparts, Republican from Indiana, who is Ukrainian, proposed the Ukrainian Independence Park Act of 2022 back in March. I'm happy to co-lead the Ukrainian Independence Park Act with ranking member Westerman. It'll recognize the strength and resiliency of the freedom-loving Ukrainian people, which has inspired many Americans, she said. Think about it. You and I are going to pay for that park just to get her vote for the bill. You get that, don't you? It's all quid pro quo. Gimme, gimme, gimme. If you gimme, 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 I'll vote, 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 vote. Representative Brian Fitzpatrick, who's a Republican from Pennsylvania, he's the co-chair of the Congressional Ukraine Caucus. He said this in a statement back in March. As co-chair of the Congressional Ukraine Caucus, I stand in full support of designating the Ukrainian Independence Park in D.C. as a symbol of the friendship between the U.S. and Ukraine and our mutual commitment to upholding freedom and democracy. And you know what? That's a wonderful thing. We're going to send you $66 billion right now and another $25 billion for your country fellow people that are fighting the Russians over there. So we've sent $100 billion. You should know by now that we love you. And look, just as a an extra, a little lanyap, you know, the baker's dozen thing, the 13th donut comes free. We're going to fund a park right in the heart of Washington, D.C., and name it the Ukrainian Independence Park. Yes. Is that enough so we get your vote? And, of course, they both said, sure, we'll vote for anything. So <laughs> let's stop right there and take a breath. We've just barely scratched the surface of the bill. I'm not going to get into any more of its contents. You've heard enough. But what you are going to hear right after this first break, you're going to hear what some people in the United States, those that are in the government and not in the government yet, but were in the government at one time, you're going to hear their analysis of this. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to buckle up. Go grab a cup of coffee or whatever you were doing before you joined the show and come back and get set. It gets good now. Infinity QX60. Take on life in style. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. 
I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1800 plus cities. Could switching to Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire, don't you? Got to get you into my life. What a great song. You may hear a little fizz in the background. I, uh, I kind of strained the old vocal cords in that first segment. I just went and got a uh, Diet Pepsi. For some reason, carbonated water, um, it's good on my throat. I don't know why. I've never really thought about that. But uh, I come into the studio every day with a big 30-ounce mug of water on ice. And unless I get animated and get a little loud like I did in that first segment, uh, that's plenty good, but I get a little little bubbly, carbonated diet Pepsi. That's my, it's been my go-to soft drink for, gosh. Let's see, we moved to Indianapolis in 89. That's when I discovered it. So since 1989, that's kind of been my go-to. Don't drink much alcohol, but I like some diet Pepsi. Wow. Where do we go from here? Kevin McCarthy is the odd zone. He's going to be the Speaker of the House in three weeks. Um, he weighed in on this, as you can expect. But before we hear from Kevin, why don't we do this? I want you to listen to Jason Chavitz. He, um, I wish he was still in Congress. Oh, my gosh. He's a bulldog. He served a couple of terms. He was in leadership, and he finally just said, I can't get anything done. And he said, to heck with it. So he left. And uh, I don't know what all he's invited in, uh, involved in, but I've seen, I know he does a show, a regular um, Fox News thing on the weekend. But he's a bulldog, and he is a hawk when it comes to, not war, a hawk when it comes to money. Here's Jason in a story last night former House Oversight Committee chairman and Fox News contributor. Jason, it's always great to see you. And I thought the New York Post summed this up in its opinion section today quite well. The headline was lame duck robbery. Democrats rushed to spend with just 15 legislative looting days left. And given the laundry list of things that Aisha highlighted there, um, it certainly feels like that. This is the most disgusting way to actually run a government, to have 7,500 earmarks, a 4,000-page bill, $1.7 trillion uh, on top of a 30-plus trillion dollar debt, and a bill that nobody has ever read. And if there are any Republicans 
on the House or Senate that vote for this atrocity. Shame on them. Why are you a Republican? If you're going to vote for this, why are you a conservative? Why are you Republican? Mm. Let's vote these people out of office. We don't need these people. You can delay this until the Republicans' hand is strengthened by having the Republican majority in the House. And so shame on anybody who votes for this monstrosity because they don't, they've never seen it. They've actually never read it. How can you vote on it if you haven't read on it? They can actually do a continued resolution for a few more weeks and actually digest this bill rather than just voting and passing it through and, because, oh, it's Christmas. And they we need to get home. They hadn't read the inflation, so-called Ripley Inflation Reduction Act either, yeah. um, yet that still passed. And so it seems to me like this is Chuck and Nancy uh, teaming up one last time to stick it to the American people before uh, the House goes back to the GOP. This is what they always do. They wait till December 23rd. Oh, there's a big storm rolling into town. You have to pass it or you won't Mm -hmm. be with your family till Christmas and be irresponsible. Oh, we're spending $800 billion on the United States military. That's supposedly justification to raise raise domestic spending. And this is why we have one of the most dysfunctional governments there are. And I'm just telling you, if you vote for this, this, this bill, you are hurting the country. It is not helping the country. You don't even know it's in it. So yeah. how can you possibly vote for well, it? Well, we were just talking about spending overall in the previous block and some of the programs like unemployment benefits and the um, expansion of the Affordable Care Act, how that has created a situation where people are not incentivized to work anymore. They can stay home, do whatever they want to do, and yeah. they get benefits so that they can get by. And so we talk about inflation in general, higher how that led to a higher wage problem, how that's shrinking the bottom line for corporations. And, and this becomes a, a vicious cycle, Jason. Um, um, and, and basically, the, the extra spending from the government has also contributed to higher inflation. It feels like it's very, very difficult at this point to, to try to get out of this. Well, why would you increase spending when we're having an inflation problem? Right. I mean, the Fed is trying to tighten the money supply. Congress is over there increasing the money supply by raising spending. I- I've seen articles out there saying that, oh, well, Republicans had a victory by cutting $275 million out of the IRS budget. But what they failed to recognize is that there was $80 billion over 10 years put in the Inflation Reduction Act. So the net increases spending for the IRS goes up. So yeah. don't be telling us and trying to share to sell us that, oh, Republicans had a victory by cutting the IRS budget. They got a net increase in the amount of money. The the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget is an independent organization, the smartest game in town. I worked closely with them. Listen to what they have to say in their analysis, because they are the best, smartest people in town. And they're telling you, don't vote for it. I'm just telling you this. I've seen this game before. It is the the playbook of, of, of Nancy Pelosi. Don't give her this victory as she goes out the door. It's just not worth it. Let me just ask you really quickly. If they don't vote for it, then what's the alternative? A a continuing resolution. An omnibus means we're going to change the way we're spending and we're going to increase spending. Mm -hmm. A continuing resolution says, hey, we'll continue on and we'll do it for a few more weeks. And figure it out. Until we actually understand what's in this bill. You can do that easily. Gotcha. Thank you for putting that so simply. Great to see you as always. Jason Chaffetz. He was a little bit hot. Did you kind of feel that? Boy, I did. And he should be. I mean, he's basically uh, waggling his finger at his former fellow government workers, employees, um, those that are supposedly representative of you and me, and saying, how, how can you do this? It just makes no sense. 
Yesterday or last night on uh, Fox News Ingram Angle, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said the omnibus spending bill is being passed through a process where no one can read it without any committee process. And when we take the majority, he said, we won't allow the Senate bills to come up unless they move through committee first. We won't allow them to do an omnibus again. House Republicans need to be able to craft one in the beginning of next year where we can save, eliminate waste, but actually save money for the taxpayer as well. That sounds a little bit uh, legitimate. I mean, Mike Johnson, Congressman Mike Johnson's been on this show talking about what he calls regular order. Regular order, again, is where when somebody wants to introduce a bill, whoever the leader in either house is, House Speaker or the Majority Leader in the Senate, if they make a determination that this should be looked at, he he or she will assign it to the various committees that it's applicable to. The committees then tear it apart. And they'll even propose amendments in the committees. They debate those amendments, vote on them, and if they come up with the final bill, they'll have an election in the committee. And if the committee, the majority in the committee, vote that in the form that it now sits in, after if there are any amendments that are approved or added, any changes, then it goes back and it goes to the full floor of either the House of Representatives or the Senate And it comes up there in the full floor. They're debated. There may be amendments added there. But then the full House or the full Senate will vote on each bill. If it's passed, it then goes over to the other House to be considered the same way. That's the way Congress is supposed to work. And this Nancy Pelosi process invented, remember, it was back when Obamacare was up. It was another massive bill. It wasn't a bill by itself. It had all kinds of attachments to it. Just like this omnibus bill. They get in the back room, the leaders, hey, who do we owe a favor to? Shelby's retiring. What do we need to give him? Uh, $600, $600 million. Okay, we'll do that for him. And it's one after another. Every member leaving the Senate gets a buttload full of extra stuff for his or her states that everybody else is paying for. McCarthy stated they moved a continuing resolution until right before Christmas. They're passing, trying to pass, where nobody can read this thing. You're correct. You have... Leahy from Vermont, Shelby from Alabama, two senators who will no longer be senators in two weeks, write a bill. Those two wrote this bill. Leahy of Vermont, he's retiring. Shelby from Alabama, he's retiring. They wrote a bill. They wouldn't even show it to anybody. Then they're going to have the House tell them, you can't leave for Christmas until you vote on this. Well, you know what? The American people are smarter than this. The American people get it. They want to stop wasting money, causing more inflation. They want to have a say in the process. Don't buy into what the Democrats planned all along. They never moved these bills through the light of day. They never had a hearing, not a single hearing. 
And you know what he said? When we take the majority, we won't allow the Senate bills to come up unless they move through committee first. We won't allow them to do an omnibus bill again. But we need to stop this one now. Let us craft one in the beginning of next year where we can all save and eliminate waste, but actually save money for the taxpayers. And then there's the part I don't know if you heard earlier. Representative Dan Bishop, a Republican of North Carolina, he highlighted a very sinister feature in this omnibus bill. What is this feature? That's sinister. sinister. It allow allocates funds for reproductive health in areas where population growth threatens biodiversity. Bishop documented many of the examples from his Twitter account, including over half a billion dollars into reproductive health in places that could threaten endangered species. On a more sinister note, he said, here's at least $575 million for family planning in areas where population growth threatens biodiversity. Mouth unism is a disturbing anti-human ideology that should have zero place in any federal program, he tweeted. It's in this bill. It's in this bill. More than half a billion dollars. Several Twitter users attacked the idea of not only promoting abortions, but appearing to support reducing population growth. That's in the bill. Spending taxpayer money to save nature by aborting babies. Nightmarish. That come from the Daily Caller news editor, Grayson Quay. There's a chilling anti-human synergy between the left's pet projects. From throttling energy production, raising the cost of living to outright killing people in the womb. It's all about making fewer, less vibrant, and wholly dependent people. It's truly evil. That comes from Minnesota House Representative-elect Walter Hudson. Further proof leftists believe humans are nothing more than a virus on the earth. That comes from reporter Hannah Blue. This is profoundly disturbing. Kudos to whoever found it. Heritage Foundation analyst David Ditch tweeted, This is incredibly messed up. Sure, let's protect endangered species, but let's not do so at the expense of people's lives. That's from the Daily Signal editor-in-chief Katrina Trinko. Bishop also highlighted a couple of other measures in the bill, including the naming of a building after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, half a million for a DEI and structural racism National Institute of Health subdivision. Half a billion for that. Diversity. Structural racism. A whole bureau of a federal office to study. Oh my gosh. Chuck Schumer was himself questioned on the bill by CNN's Manu Raju on the lack of time Congress members have to read the bill before voting on it. The bill has been carefully worked on by the Appropriations Committee for a very, very long time, Schumer said. Most of the provisions were well-known weeks and weeks and weeks in advance, 
And getting this bill done for the American people, which really matters, is the most important thing. Oh, my God. We don't have the money to pay for this bill. Nowhere in the United States is this kind of stuff ever acceptable. It's just not. But yet, folks, this is planned theft. That's what it is from the American people, because you and I don't have any say-so on it. Oh, well, they'll tell you, hey, you know, you could, your say-so. Every voter has the right to express their opinion when they're in the polling booth. When you go vote, that's what you do. If you don't like what we're passing, vote us out of office. Okay, we don't have that election. We won't have it until two years from now. And so they just keep doing what they want to do and sending the bill to you and I to pay it. And we don't have any options. But then we have a really wonderful thing that's about to happen. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, he's set to meet with Biden at the White House and address a joint session of Congress tonight. Wow, in an effort to buttress political support in Washington as Kiev is involved in an open-ended conflict to counter Russia's invasion that we, the American people, are paying for. Dunstan Teo was on this show last week, and he gave us where the money that has already been sent to Ukraine, where it went, and it didn't all go to Ukraine. It originate from accounts and FTX. It was put in cryptocurrency. Why would the government, our government, even do that? Well, it was supposedly because when it gets to Ukraine instantaneously, when it is sent through a digital wallet of cryptocurrency, when it hits, bam, it can be spent immediately. But, you know, we've got this war going on over there. The banking systems are down, but we've got to get this money to them. How do we do it? Send it through FTX. Nobody's talking about this. Dunstan Teo is the most educated cryptocurrency on the planet, a very conservative guy, a very, very kind Christian man. I know him personally. He owns more Bitcoin than any other human being. Let me tell you one thing he did. Let me tell you what kind of clout he's got. He's talking to a big group of people that are talking to him about getting involved in a new cryptocurrency that he has started that, by the way, is 100% safe. It's only the second one in existence. The first one is called Philcoin. There will never be any more of it created. That's the bad thing that happens in normal Cryptcoin. It can be mined. People can get out there with the know-how and just create some, and it shows up in the system. Kind of like inflation, isn't it? Philcoin can't be done. There's no more that can be created. So is the second one. He was talking to a group of people about it, and they questioned his authenticity and his ability. 
And so he told them, he said, I'm going to show you who I am and what I, I can do. Something is going to happen in the next 24 hours in Bitcoin that nobody has ever seen. And he said, you'll know it's me. You know what happened overnight, 24 hours? He didn't sell any Bitcoin because he didn't want to impact the price of Bitcoin on everybody else. He moved $200 million worth of Bitcoin that was in his wallet. And nobody knew it was his wallet. That's one great thing about crypto. Nobody knows how much currency, cryptocurrency you have. You're the only one that can ever see it. But he moved $200 million of Bitcoin from one cryptocurrency wallet to another one. Didn't sell it, just moved it. They knew instantly who he was. Let me. He's the one that told us live on this show. He told us that some of that Ukraine crypto was diverted, diverted to the Clinton Foundation, the Obama Foundation, and to Zelensky personally. Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, it's not what it's portrayed to be. Are the Ukrainian people in trouble? Absolutely. They're being slaughtered. I'm not saying we don't need to get involved in it. We've been very involved in it. But we're throwing money in there that's not going to where we are told, all the American people are told that it's going. So why is Zelensky coming to town? A senior Biden administration official said his visit is intended to provide an important injection of momentum for continued U.S. and allied support in the months ahead. His visit is taking place at the invitation of Biden, who first discussed the idea of the visit in a phone call he had with the Ukrainian leader on December 11, 10 days ago. In issuing this formal invitation three days later, why are we just now hearing about this? It was structured three days later. Anyway, the White House made it clear the visit would include an extended meeting with Biden, a meeting with his national security team, as well as an opportunity for Zelensky to address the media and speak before a joint session of Congress. Let me tell you something that's not going to happen. This is not going to happen publicly. I promise you, they're not going to let Volodymyr Zelensky get up in front of a bunch of American media and ask a bunch of questions, unless the questions are handpicked by Biden's people and given to select reporters to ask. On my way to the U.S. to strengthen resilience and defense capabilities of Ukraine, Zelensky wrote that on Twitter, adding, I will also have a speech at Congress and a number of bilateral meetings. The visit will underscore the U.S.'s steadfast commitment to supporting Ukraine for as long as it takes, including through the provision of economic, humanitarian, and military assistance. That came from Karine Jean-Pierre. We know it must be gospel. Biden will use the occasion to say the U.S. will be providing a Patriot anti-missile battery to Ukraine. We've already been told about that. And they've now told us Ukraine's electrical grid and other infrastructure have been pummeled 
by Russia's ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, and drones, and that the Russians got those from Iran. Let me ask you this. How many countries have uh, levied, squeezed Iran for their doing what they're doing, providing all of this weaponry to Russia? Have you heard about it? Have you heard the United States do it? Anybody else doing it? Nobody's doing it. Ask and answer that question. Why? Why is nobody sanctioning Iran out of the wazoo for doing this? Everybody's complicit in it. You do understand Ukraine as a nation has always been a bank, a piggy bank for billions and billions of dollars that are politically, illegally moved from places to places to other places, either through or they end up in Ukraine. For decades, that's the place Ukraine is opened up and become the illegal piggy bank for political thugs. It's always been that way. We know that in the days ahead, the conflict will continue. The winter will be hard. This comes from a White House senior official. We do not see diplomacy that would lead to an end to the war on just terms as being on the very near-term horizon. The prolonged conflict has led to questions among some conservative Republicans and progressive Democrats about how long Washington should continue its multi-billion dollar effort to provide military, economic, and humanitarian support to Ukraine. So, on Zelensky's whirlwind trip, they tell us it will provide a high-profile opportunity for him and his White House allies to solidify backing among U.S. lawmakers and the American public for continued exertions by Washington and its allies to help Ukraine. This isn't about sending a message to a particular political party, the senior administration official said. This is about sending a message to Putin and sending a message to the world that America will be there for Ukraine as long as it takes. Let me tell you what should happen. I'm not a politician, and I'm certainly not a political sycophant. I don't know a lot, but here's what I do know. If we are still the leaders of the free world, Where is the big meeting, very public meeting, for everybody to see, specifically Vladimir Putin, where a group of leaders, like the leaders of France and Germany and the United Kingdom and Canada and Australia, where they stand side to side with our president, and they point their fingers at the camera speaking directly to the Russian president and say, Mr. Putin, we're all going to stand shoulder to shoulder with Ukraine, and collectively we will give Ukraine what they need to beat you. Mr. Putin, leave Ukraine now. You can't afford to stay there. Instead of coming to the United States with a handout and Joe Biden continuing to unilaterally fund Ukraine 
and all that money going as cryptocurrency, supposedly, to the Ukrainian people. You tell me, wouldn't it be wonderful for us to find out how much of the money that we are paying as taxpayers, purportedly, so that it can go to Ukraine to fund their efforts to protect their country against total dissemination by Vladimir Putin. How much is actually going there? And how much of what gets there goes into the war effort and not into the pocket of Zelensky and other illegal heavyweights in Ukraine and other countries? You want to know why? This is my opinion. Why I think that side-to-side press briefing hasn't happened between these all-world leaders for Vladimir Putin to see because these other people don't want to do it. They don't want to get up in front, probably because they're not involved in the corruption, the financial corruption that our president is and Ukraine's president is. Zelensky, he's not the bright and shining star. All of this has come out since he was first introduced to us Americans. Think about it, folks. He's not a great leader. He's never led anything before. His professional career, he was an actor in a stand-up comic. When he was elected president of Ukraine, he was put there where he is to continue the process of Ukraine being what Ukraine has been for decades. He's a yes man, very little more than a yes man. And so here we are, you and I, we're out there and we're paying the bills for this yes man to continue to perpetuate the Ukraine process, to be doing what it's always done. And you and I are paying the bill and most of, if not most of, a huge portion of what we're paying through our tax dollars. It's not going to the war effort. It's going to crooked politicians. Those crooked politicians from Ukraine, I'm sure from there. But I think along the way, a bunch of it is slipping into the pockets of other evil people. He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. Accountable for doing this to the American. Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say that. What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolutely... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to getsomenuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, 
Your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Before we uh, finish up today on our omnibus bill and our evil Ukrainian spending, Katie Pavlich, you know the name. I'm sure you would know her face. Uh, She's a blonde. She is a heavyweight in Washington, D.C., conservative media. And um, I um, I like what she says and the way she says it. I'm trying to remember if it's the town hall she's the leader of of another conservative media outlet. Anyway, Katie Pavlich weighed in on this crazy omnibus spending bill. Now this Congress just unveiling their 1.7 trillion, yes, another trillion dollar spending bill, ladies and gentlemen. This is supposedly to keep the government funded through next September. Now they have to pass the package by midnight on Friday. It's a 4,100 page package. You think they've read it? This in order to avoid a partial government shutdown. Katie Pavlich joining me now. Katie, nobody's read this thing. In two days, they're going to pass another trillion dollar spending bill, 4,100 pages that nobody has read. Uh, Isn't that the height of irresponsibility? Uh, yeah, this this one point seven trillion dollar spending plan, which, as you rightly point out, people are not going to be able to read. It's four thousand pages is an abomination. Uh, it, it you know, the there once again, Washington, D.C. and the politicians who are inside of it want to go home. They have they're now up against this deadline of Christmas while also being held hostage because they want to fund the government. And yet the American people are the ones who are going to pay the ultimate price. There are now a number of Republicans in the House who have written a letter to Republicans in the Senate. saying we're going to start holding uh, senators accountable for doing this to the American people, to the voters that sent them to Washington in the first place, and pointing out that, look, they weren't elected to continue inflationary spending, which is exactly what this is. They weren't elected to continue uh, the spending, which leads to the Federal Reserve having to raise interest rates to try and tamp down this inflationary spending, which is being caused by the federal government. Uh, and so, you know, the spending continues. They never learn their lesson. And also, for Republicans strategically and politically, uh, this budget or this omnibus plan would also kneecap them when it comes to their new Congress, which starts yeah. on January 3rd and gives them very little movement when it comes to enacting their agenda, which they were just elected to implement. Well, it's a question. How do you enact an agenda when you have all this infighting between Senate uh, Republicans and House Republicans within the House? I mean, we still don't know whether whether McCarthy is going to be the speaker, right? Well, regardless of, of different perspectives on who is good for leadership and what should be done in the new Congress and who should lead the House as Speaker, the bottom line is that conservatives and Republicans for years have run on this idea that they are fiscally conservative. And the split within yeah. the party right now comes down to whether that is even true anymore. There are a number of Republicans, or, or, who, or a handful, I should say, who want to stop this bill. 41 Republicans in the Senate could stop it. Uh, and yet you're only seeing about five senators coming out and saying that they will vote against it up against this hard deadline, which, again, changes nothing in Washington and makes inflation worse for all the Americans out there who are getting ready to spend Christmas with their families. All right. Next one, Katie, I want to talk about Twitter, if I can. Senator Liz Warren is sending a warning to Tesla shareholders about Elon Musk in a letter to Tesla chair Robin Denholm. Warren writes, quote, Mr. Musk's acquisition created unavoidable 
conflicts of interest. This use of Tesla employees raises obvious questions about whether Mr. Musk is appropriating resources from a publicly traded firm, Tesla, to benefit his own private company, Twitter. So, Katie, this comes after Janet Yellen says that Cifius is looking at Twitter. They, they look at whether there's foreign influence in companies. I'm just wondering, are Democrats really trying to take Twitter away from Elon Musk through regulations and other means? Well, they've been trying to take it away from him from the very moment that he said that he may purchase it, even before the deal was done. Uh, this has nothing to do with Elizabeth Warren, Warren you know, feigning outrage over her allegations that he is misusing uh, resources from one company to another. This is about the Democrats losing their monopoly on the social media company Twitter, which they used during the 2020 election uh, with the FBI to suppress information would have changed, which could have changed the outcome of the election. It's very similar to what they've been trying to do to conservative talk radio uh, for three decades with the fairness doctrine. That's what this is about. And once again, Elizabeth Warren, who has no experience in the private sector, who is an academic and a bureaucrat who continues to try and regulate businesses uh, to her liking and to her uh, more socialist government-run agenda, that that's what this is about. It's not about actually holding Elon Musk accountable. And at the end of the day, uh, they're continuing to go after Elon Musk is quite interesting because they're all in on this electric car, electric vehicle push. And yet they continue to isolate him and to punish him, despite the fact mm. that he is the largest electric vehicle producer in the world. I mean, these they, they certainly have a number of conflicting issues here and yeah. apparently have a monopoly over free speech on Twitter trumps the electric vehicle agenda for that. Well, and again, they want to use regulations as a political cudgel to beat, to beat people they don't like, right. but they let FTX go in under the radar. You have corrupt. Gary Gensler, <laughs> uh, the, the SEC chairman, uh, making nice with, uh, with SBF before the whole thing collapsed. So they're not doing yeah. what they should be doing. Instead, uh, doing the, the political bidding. Uh, Katie Pavlich, great to see you, Katie. Thank you so Correct. much. Have a wonderful Christmas. Great to Appreciate see you. Appreciate you coming in. Great observations there by uh, Katie Pavlich, who she, I got to be honest with you, at, uh, at Fox News, she was a contributor there for a while. She sat in on one of the morning shows for several weeks a couple of years ago. I thought she did a great job, and I, I'm not sure what happened there. But uh, she's still a contributor at Fox News. You see her there. But she was in line to be a host or a co-host to one of their shows. Never materialized. What does that mean? It means that she ticked off somebody in upper management because she's a gorgeous young woman and very well-spoken. You just heard she's very knowledgeable. And, I mean, she was kind of right in the uh, cookie-cutter look and uh, actions that Fox News is always looking for. I don't even know why I brought that up, but I, I, I kind of like the way she uh, operates when she begins to talk. She's anything but an empty suit or a typical blonde. Speaking of typical blondes, what about Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia, extremely outspoken, and uh, I mean extremely outspoken, now, she is going nuts about the Republicans that have come out against voting Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California. He's the minority leader right now in the House and has been for a long time. He is the odds-on favorite to become the House Speaker on January 3rd. But she went postal against every Republican that's coming out against him. 
She took aim at those she described as never Kevin caucus members in a 25-tweet thread on social media with their opposition to voting for McCarthy January 3rd. It's time for my friends in the Never Kevin Caucus to stop lying to the base just because they don't like Kevin McCarthy, Green wrote. They don't have a plan. There's no consensus candidate. Sabotaging the country for personal reasons is not brave or righteous. I'm not going to do the whole thread, but here are a few highlights. These are her tweets. I'm disappointed my friends wouldn't mis- mislead the base, and that's a big reason why I'm speaking out. The speaker is elected inside our conference that, unfortunately for us conservatives, is filled with too many moderates, and it's impossible for a conservative to get 218 votes. My friends know this, and risking the gavel and delaying everything just because they don't like someone is not only selfish, it's incredibly reckless and dangerous. Just like the never-Trumpers were never Trump, just because they didn't like him, and that bad attitude cost our country so much. I put my own feelings aside, and I support someone based on their ability to get the job done that I believe is important for the country and the American people. President Trump's MAGA agenda was something every single Republican should have worked together as hard as possible to accomplish. But the never-Trumpers turned their backs and refused to work to pass the policies the people supported. Now it's happening again. Earlier this year, I decided to start talking with Kevin McCarthy weekly to get to know him outside of what everybody else was saying. Over time, she said, I learned many of his goals are actually aligned with mine and the conservative base. She cited several items on Kevin's agenda for government oversight next year, including McCarthy's vows to investigate the southern border crisis, Hunter Biden's business dealings, big tech censorship practices, alleged politicization at the DOJ, and much more. There's no one else running, she said, for speaker. No one in our conference could get 218 that would do any of these things, she said. Talking about the number of votes McCarthy would need should every voting member of Congress be present on January 3rd and vote for a person rather than vote present. Republicans overwhelmingly nominated McCarthy to be Speaker back in November, but five members, Matt Gates, Republican of Florida, Andy Biggs, Republican of Arizona, Matt Rosendale, Republican from Montana, Bob Good, Republican from Virginia, and Ralph Norman, Republican from North Carolina, have stated publicly they plan to vote against McCarthy, which could derail the Speaker vote given Republicans' narrow four-vote majority next year. Now think about that. Let me just paint the picture of what could happen. You realize that every member of the House on January 3rd that's in the House meeting when it's gaveled in, every person in the House gets to vote for Speaker. So how many Democrats are going to vote for Kevin McCarthy? (laughs) None of them. So they're going to vote in mass to just present is what they'll say. That means we're not voting for anybody. But then if they don't get, if Kevin wouldn't get 218, which is the number he has to get, what would happen? There's nobody else running. So they would do another vote. And guess what could happen? 
somebody in the Democrat Party members in the House could nominate or put up a candidate, a Democrat, to be the speaker. And they'll vote again. Now, what's going to happen? What could happen? That person could get enough votes. There could be enough Republicans that just voted present. They wouldn't vote for anybody, but just vote present. And the Democrat could get a majority of the people that voted, could vote for him or her, and we could have a Democrat House Speaker with a Republican majority in the House. Can you imagine what chaos would ensue over the next two years? I don't even want to think about that. I mean, let me just say this. Don't ever say never when it comes to politics. Don't ever say there's no way Republicans would do this. You know, I, the Republican Party, look, what's, look what they're doing now. They're going to support this stinking $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Enough of them in the Senate already did to move it over for approval in the House. And there's enough, enough Democrats in the House that will support it to get it passed. $1.7 trillion. What causes inflation? It's massive increase of money in the marketplace. <laughs> and so Joe Biden is throwing out $1.7 trillion more dollars, like in one day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's move on. Have you heard about this one? The Department of Justice snooped on House Intelligence Committee investigators back during the Russia probe. Now, this is coming from subpoenas. In an extraordinary intrusion on congressional oversight, the DOJ used grand jury subpoenas to secretly obtain the personal email and phone data of at least two top House Intelligence Committee investigators. This happened back in November of 2017, just as they and their boss, then-Chairman Devin Nunes, were assembling bombshell evidence of FBI abuses in the Russia collusion probe. The subpoenas show the DOJ demanded that Google turn over personal email and phone data from the two senior staffers, and that happened on November 20th of 2017 and that responsive materials were to be returned to the DOJ three weeks later. The subpoenas were delivered during a critical time frame in the committee's efforts to expose the Trump-Russia collusion investigation as having been driven by an uncorroborated political opposition dossier funded by Hillary Clinton. Nunes' committee was locked at the time in a bitter struggle to force the FBI and DOJ to turn over records to them, the committee. The DOJ subpoenas came to light in the last few days when their former committee staffers were informed by Google their records had been taken, consistent with the big tech company's policy of telling customers five years after law enforcement takes this kind of action. One of those subpoenaed staffers, former Intelligence Committee Senior Counsel Cash Patel, 
told Just the News that the DOJ subpoenas were an extraordinary intrusion on congressional oversight and raised serious concerns about the separation of executive and legislative branch powers that are guaranteed in the Constitution. Here's what he said. It's so shocking because a co-equal branch of government, we as congressional investigators and Devin Nunes, his staff on House Intel, were conducting constitutional demanded oversight of the fraudulent acts at the FBI and the DOJ, which we now know happened. So the other intelligence staffer whose records were subpoenaed by DOJ was notified last week by Google. He said he had worked extensively on investigating the FBI's Russia collusion conduct that included drafting the committee's report that criticized the FBI, reviewing sensitive documents, fighting with the DOJ to gain access to those records. Devin Nunes said the subpoenas gave the DOJ and FBI unprecedented potential to learn in real time what his investigation was learning about misconduct in the Russia probe. He called on the new Republican Congress to probe the subpoenas aggressively. What does this say? What does this mean? It's just one more rung in the ladder for the American people to go from ground floor, from on the ground, climbing up the ladder of realization, of fact-finding to understand in the Obama administration, the Department of Justice under Eric Holder, and even after Holder left, the Department of Justice weaponized, literally weaponized the intelligence operations of the Department of Justice and the FBI. We don't know how many other divisions were impacted by this. If it's happened to the DOJ at the top levels and the FBI from top to bottom, and we now know it has, we can just assume the CIA, the DNI, every other one of the intelligence committee operations were given a free hand. Just go do whatever you need to do to find dirt on Democrats' political opponents. Let's keep it quiet, but let's go after them. That's exactly what was happening every day. And Democrats in Congress knew about it. And of course, people at the top levels of the FBI, the Department of National Intelligence, the NSA, the CIA, all the three-letter operations, they were up to their eyeballs in it every day finding ways to denigrate Republicans and their causes, all conservatives, to go after them quietly but aggressively to try to find dirt on them and expose them. Meanwhile, you're watching to find out what they have found out and then to find ways to denigrate anything that they would say. And, of course, you could use Twitter Because we now know the ties between the FBI, I mean paid staffers. Hey, if you leave the FBI, you can go over to Twitter and get this great job over there. And you can take information from your new employer and slide it over to your old employer. And it's legal because the FBI is opening up that pathway. That was happening every day. 
What does that mean to you and me? We're living in a police state right now. We're not headed that way. We are in a police state right now where the government, the government controls everything, not through legal means, but through blackmail and through cheating, investigating illegally and finding things to wave in our faces to keep us quiet while they, meantime, come up with stuff that is not truthful and put it out in the marketplace and shop it around like it is. And innocent Americans are falling prey to those wiles of the FBI and other departments in our intelligence community. It's happening today. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's happening today and has been for years, going unknown by most conservatives while the left is just having their way. Holidays abroad. Can we, can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation. We could share a year. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. <laughs> we've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. At all protected. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships, like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equip. We are the college at the forefront of innovative education. We are outstanding faculty teaching in cutting-edge classrooms and facilities. We are students learning powerful skills for tomorrow's workforce. And together... We are Triton. Register today. When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of light. The truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. I got to be honest with you. That weapon of light that we have, which comes in the way of, you know, a big flashlight. We can just shine it on the uh, evil things that we expose. I just don't know what kind of power's in it. In the past, if we look over our shoulder at U.S. history and forget about that 1619 project, I'm talking about real history 
it worked pretty well. All you had to do was find the evil, ferret it out, and then expose it to fellow Americans, and then the government, the representatives of those people in the states would pass laws to do away with the evil and to put in place processes that legally kept these things from happening again. So what do you do when the people in mass that are running the government, they're not only doing this evil, they have the power and continue to hide it. Let me give you another example. Breitbart, Texas, looked at a Monday directive that was given to all Customs Border Patrol managers. And this directive that's coming from DHS head Alejandro Mayorkas, it gags them from releasing migrant apprehension statistics through social media accounts or directly to the public without the express written approval of the Department of Homeland Security. It's a gag order. It precludes Border Patrol managers from releasing any interim arrest stats or stories as the decision over the potential end to Title 42 enforcement now sits before the Supreme Court. The Breitbart Texas source, not authorized to speak to the media, says the message is intended to curb routine disclosures of migrant apprehensions near the southern border. These are generally provided by Border Patrol chief patrol agents through social media and comments to journalists. This unprecedented gag order was circulated Monday and took immediate effect. And what was, what was I just talking to you about? The people that work for us, the people in power, they can just hide everything they're doing from us. And I mean, they're taking these actions. What they're doing should disqualify them from even being a government employee. But nothing happens to them. Why? The people that would and should hold them accountable are in the tank with them. The gag order was sent under the title DHS OPA Guidance on Social Media Coordination for the Lifting of Title 42. The order was later clarified to impose a ban on the direct communication with media outlets or media platforms regarding the release of migrant apprehension numbers without DHS approval. DHS OPA is the acronym for the Department of Homeland Security's Office of Public Affairs. The impact of this order is already evident from the lack of routine posts on social media accounts from several Border Patrol sectors. The content typically offers weekend or weekly recaps of migrant crossing statistics and other notable enforcement actions. Prior to the change of this policy on December 12th, El Paso Chief Patrol Agent Peter Jacquez provided a weekend recap revealing a three-day average of more than 2,460 migrants entering the city. On Tuesday, he tweeted a 48-hour recap that was limited to 57 migrant apprehensions related to organized smuggling schemes interdicted by Border Patrol agents within the sector. So the disparity in the 
breadth of information between the two tweets. It's stark. Border Patrol source is alarmed by the policy's intent to remove highly visible images and real-time statistics from the public domain. In other words, they're not letting us see the real numbers anymore. They being Alejandro Mayorkas. The source from Border Patrol, quietly anonymous, told Breitbart Texas the new directive will allow DHS to control the narrative as this looming border crisis is expected to worsen after Title 42. The source further emphasized that future apprehension data releases could be delayed and presented in such a matter to minimize the impacts of the crisis. We don't know. We don't need to know the truth. I mean, we're just a bunch of plebes working out there. We don't have the right to know anything about what our government's doing. And the government has the unilateral right to tell us or to not tell us. After all, this is the Biden administration. Joe Biden is in unilateral control. That's their thinking. In the Border Patrol's Del Rio sector, where migrant apprehensions are currently second only to El Paso, routine weekly social media postings concerning migrant apprehension data, they've stopped there as well. Chief Jason Owens tweeted a weekly recap on the 12th, informing us of nearly 11,000 migrant apprehensions, including one single migrant group of more than 700. No weekly numbers have been posted as of Wednesday. On Tuesday, Breitbart, Texas reached out to CBP to inquire about the lack of postings for the latest week and advised that such disclosures would be delayed. Put that in your peace pipe and smoke it. Meanwhile, Texas National Guard troops, they deployed to El Paso They have constructed a razor wire barrier along the Rio Grande and have been blocking people from making unauthorized crossings into the U.S. amid a migrant surge and legal back and forth about ending Title 42. Acting under orders from Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who's a Republican, by the way, several hundred soldiers that are part of a contingency border force have set up along the river channel separating El Paso from Juarez, New Mexico, with the aim of stopping people from crossing the border illegally. This morning, this morning, service members deployed to El Paso constructed a triple-strand concertina barrier near the border to secure the area from illegal crossings. The Texas National Guard told media that its service members are trying to funnel asylum seekers to designated ports of entry while their primary goal is to prevent illegal crossings into Texas. One group of about 75 people trying to enter the U.S. through an unauthorized crossing faced off against National Guard members and state troopers yesterday, which reported that a National Guard service member told them through a bullhorn they would be unable to enter. Abbott ordered more than 400 Texas National Guard personnel to El Paso on Monday as part of a contingency border force being deployed in response to this mess, the high levels of illegal border crossings 
in the past few weeks and the pending expiration of Title 42 restrictions. Title 42, if you don't know about it, you hear that said all the time, Title 42. It's a Trump-era rule that has been used around two and a half million times. Two and a half million illegals have been stopped from making asylum claims in the U.S., and that has been widely credited as helping reduce the influx. The end of this Title 42 is expected to lead to a massive influx of illegals allowing criminals to further exploit gaps while federal authorities are inundated with migrant processing. Now, let me explain how this works. If it was just innocent Mexicans, Hondurans, Guatemalans, people from El Salvador and other countries that are under siege with all kinds of wrongdoing and evil going on there, if it was just these people fighting, bringing their family members and all the possessions they have on the planet, coming innocently to our southern border. That would be one thing. That's the way it happened formally. But let me tell you what has happened on the other side of the Rio Grande Valley, specifically there. It's happened in the mountains of of, uh, New Mexico and Arizona. It's also happened in Southern California. But it happens, the biggest border crossing in the south is in McAllen, Texas. It's the Rio Grande Valley is what it's called. More of them come there than the other places combined. Why has it all of a sudden become a big organized operation? You know why? Because it is an organized operation. Who's running the show over there? Well, the Mexican cartels are. They have created an entire corporate environment and have turned this entire process of illegal immigration into the United States into a massive multi-billion dollar corporation. Now, if you know anything about the Mexican cartels, Not only do they not like government, they hate each other. And there is actually, as we speak, war going on in Mexico that goes over into these other Central American countries. Why? Because there's so much money to be made by advertising, which is what they're doing. Cartels are advertising in these countries in Central America Their services. Now, what do their services include? Well, they'll help you, moms and dads. They'll help you get your kids away from what you're doing, away from what you're dealing with. And we'll make it easier, much easier for us. And they actually have a price breakdown of the services they provide and what it will cost you. Now, you know that most of these Central Americans and these Mexicans don't have the money to pay three, four, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 to get their family members to the U.S. So what do they do? They cut you a deal. And the deal may include actually selling one of your kids. Now, you've got a big family. You don't have the money to pay for your big family. We can work out a deal. Now, what kind of deals? All kinds of deals. 
selling kids, especially young girls and boys, selling them to these cartels who specialize in human and sex trafficking. Steve Baker's been on our show. He was embedded in a Houston, Texas operation that disclosed one particular sex trafficking of kids 12 and under. And a bunch of these kids ended up and are in the Houston area, one particular area of Houston. He was in the middle of that with some nonprofit specialists, and they're trying to help these kids get out of that situation because what happens is the cartel members, they sell these kids And part of the deal that they make with these sex traffickers is we'll get them across the Rio Grande into the U.S. And then these people in the U.S. will pay for them. That's just one little thing that has been happening now for years. Now, why wouldn't the United States federal government, why wouldn't they intervene in this, knowing this is going on? I don't know for a fact, but why would this government not enforce federal laws when the people in this government each pledged an oath to do just that? Why wouldn't they do that? Why would this government allow millions of dollars of taxpayer dollars, even a bunch that was voted on by the United States Congress, to be sent to Ukraine to help the Ukrainian people? Why would it be allowed for that money to be converted into cryptocurrency? Going through FTX, which we know billions of dollars worth of crypto that went through FTX didn't go where it was supposed to go. It is very obvious because of insider information, some of that crypto that was earmarked to go to Ukraine didn't get to Ukraine. Some of it ended up at the Clinton Foundation. Some of it ended up in the Biden family syndicate possession. And let me tell you this. I know factually this show is being listened to right now. I'm looking at the source, the IP addresses of computers of those that are listening to this. I do it every day throughout the show. My iPad sits here with that app loaded. And it moves up and down. There are three people or three IP addresses in Langley, Virginia that are listening to this show. What is in Langley, Virginia? The only thing in Langley, Virginia, really. CIA headquarters. This is happening to every conservative news outlet, newspaper, radio show, podcast, listening. And this has been going on. Monitoring Truth News Network, TNN Live now, for months. Why? Because we're talking about things that our listeners don't know about and millions of other Americans don't know about. And we're only touching the surface. Just imagine how much more there is underneath that we can't even find out about. Why would our government allow any of this to happen? The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Money's not the root of all evil. The love of money and what some people are willing to do to get their hands 
on that money, even at the expense of selling American babies and Central American babies, selling them to people we know will be putting them in sex trafficking operations, human trafficking operations, selling them domestically in the United States, in Canada, and all over the world. And we, our federal government, is facilitating that operation. Are you saying that the Bidens, the Clintons, they're all involved in this operation, they're actually doing this themselves? No, I don't know that they are. I think they're probably not. But what I do know, the money, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's been that way since men and women have existed. And sadly, folks, I don't think it's going to change. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at you, savings coming at you. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Nervous? Oh, Blaze. Brings back so many good memories. Remember our road trip in 97? Our first real heart-to-heart. I've never seen any of your movies! Not even the ones we're in together! Hey, do you remember when that stalker kidnapped us? Yes! Blaze was there. Blaze. Do you have barbecue? Or a cheddar jalapeno? Oh, remember when we stumbled into that turf war? Remember when you bought your first house? Ah! Hey, I'm Those were good times. They were golden. You ready? Seth, do you? I do. And Janet, do you? That's a yes. Yeah! I love this lady! <laughs> You know, there are some really good people in government. I think most of our government servants are really servants. And I I know this for a fact. There are people in our government that they know some of the things we're bringing to you here today on TNN Live. And they feel just like we do. How could people do those things? But how could our government not just turn their backs on it and not talk about it, How could they, in many cases, be a part of it? And we know that is factually going on. So what is happening now? Republicans, Democrats, they're all pointing their fingers at each other, placing blame. 
Dave Rubin, one of my very special people. I think he's a great communicator. He has a podcast on uh, the Blaze Network, also on Rumble. Um, he broadcast out of Florida. And uh, he weighed into this very thing late yesterday. Watch this video. This is, this is really incredible. Like, if you want, like, the most perfect example of, of virtually everything that I talk about on this show, how the mainstream media launders the lies and how they work with the Democrat Party so that when you see something right in front of you that you know it's true, that right now, who is responsible for the border? Like, let, let's just pause here for a sec. Who is responsible for the border? It's the president of the United States, right? That is one of the few things that the federal government is supposed to do. So we just showed you those videos. All of these people are coming across. I don't think anyone is doubting the numbers, right, with these insane border crossings. I think over 2 million this year. So that is the fault of the Democrat Party and the president. These are just facts. You may not like them, but they are facts. And by the way, if it was a Republican president and this was happening, then it would be the fault of the Republican president. But listen to the way ABC's Martha Raddatz raises this question related to whose fault it is that all these people are coming. And then you'll really get insight into how they trick people from not being able, to, they basically say, look, that's right in front of you. No, 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 that's not what you see. It's something else. This is, this is, it's an incredible shell game. Watch this. You talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard say it for you are former President Trump or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that it is an open border and smugglers use all those kinds of statements. It was, it was known from the time that Joe Biden got elected that Joe Biden supported open borders. Uh, it is known uh, by the cartels who have sophisticated information whether or not the Biden administration is going to enforce the immigration laws or not is known across the world, but most importantly, known among the cartels. And how do you play into that? What can you do better? Uh, so we have every level of government doing everything we can to prevent people from coming into the country illegally or repelling them or arresting them and putting them behind bars. Do you see what she just did there? Do you see what she just did? That was obviously uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott. So she's saying to Greg Abbott, who has all these Texas border towns, right? She's saying, because you guys say that Biden has an open border, that's why people are coming. Not because Biden's actions have proven it. So she's trying to blame the people who are calling out the problem for the problem itself. She's saying, well, Joe Biden never said it. Yes, of course, Joe Biden never said, guys, we have an open border, come on down, right? Like this is Price is Right, come on down. Spin the wheel, get the cash. That's in essence what we're doing. But she didn't, uh, Biden actually never flat out said it. But she completely flips the reality. That's what I mean about the shell game. That it's not Biden who says open borders. It's you guys who are not in charge of the border. It's you, Greg Abbott. It's you, Ron DeSantis. It's you, Donald Trump. And that's what the migrants, the migrants, the illegal aliens, that's what they hear and that's why they're coming. It's such an extraordinary, subtle, uh, pernicious distortion of the truth. Ugh, gross, disgusting. But this is what they do to all Republicans and you must know this. So what do we do about all this? What can we do as everyday U.S. citizens? 
what you can do and what you need to do, what we all need to do, is make our voices heard, make sure people know we're not anti-immigrant, we are pro-illegal immigrant and pro-legal immigration. End of it all, folks. End of it all. That's what we demand happens. Well, 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 in the middle of all of this, we've got Christmas coming, Hanukkah around the corner, and Jesus was born in this season. See you tomorrow.